Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, a show where father and son sit down and talk about, well, fantasy, particularly in books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Thanks for being here again. We are so excited to talk to you about one of our favorite books again today, The Shadow Rising from the Wheel of Time. Definitely. Zach, how you doing today? Because from my perspective, you look like you're on the rise. I mean, I guess. You're, you're kind of higher am i am i actually higher than you currently hold on let me let me slouch (laughs) talk to me how you doing i'm doing okay i definitely went through some manic cleaning as i was preparing for a patron only episode that we're going to be doing later Uh so if you're interested in what that might be go ahead and check out our patreon where you can join support us and check out something cool we're going to be doing later that i had to turn my whole setup around for I see. Okay. Yeah. And that's all hush hush because we have patrons with us here in the recording and we don't want to give away what the secret will be, but it'll be fun. It'll be something coming your way soon. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, wow. It was a busy week. Uh, wintry. I mean, I sure, I'm sure you had nicer weather. I went on a road trip where it, it was cold. For me, I, mm-hmm. I was in a place where it was seven degrees with a nine below wind chill. Okay. And nasty winter weather. And then I finally got home and it snowed. And you know we don't get snow in the Portland, Oregon area. but So like it really snowed or? We had an inch of snow on the ground one morning. And now it all okay. went away later in the day. But come on, I escaped the winter and get back <laughs> to winter. So, but that's over. And uh, it's it's just a busy time. I'm leaving for work again tomorrow for another short business trip, and things are hopping in. You're getting all over the place. Yeah, but did we say things are hopping in? Yeah, we did. Shut up. I'm okay with it. Talk about that hopping all over the place. (laughs) I can't do that hip hopping and stuff. No, no, that's Uh, not me. Wrong generation. Yeah, your hips don't like it. Oh, hips don't lie, man. Hips don't lie. What are you drinking today, Zach? I, on the recommendation of some friends, decided to try out a new kind of seltzer. I do have to preface, I'm usually a one with, when it comes to beers, I'm not too picky. That being said, uh, you won't find me drinking a Bud Light. However, I am trying out Thank you. Bud Light's hard soda seltzers. So it's meant to just taste like a Coke, basically. It's okay so far. Oh, Bud, so you're selling out to the man. Ah, oh, thought I'd do better by you. And maybe... If Bud Light wants to come and support our show, they could be one of our first sponsors. Otherwise, this will be the last time I mention them on our podcast. Oh, yeah. They're they're shaking and trembling about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you drinking, I'm drinking Dad? Yeah, I'm drinking something a little more creative. I crafted a Watt tail for today. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I had a Watt tail already, all ready to go. I've even taken the picture already. Because I pre made one that was awesome. And then I said, you know, I don't feel like drinking that one today. So I created another one. Too strong? Yeah, I'm, I'm saving the other one. It, it's going to be a nice, great one to roll out sometime. But today I mm-hmm. created one that I have here for us. You can see the drink? Ooh, it's in my favorite kind of glass. That's it. See, and I felt like something more like this. You know, this is a, a mostly a half and half mixture of Grand Marnier and bourbon. Can't go wrong there. It's got just a little bit of a simple syrup and some club soda added in. So pretty simple cocktail. I call it Snakes and Answers. 
Fair enough. It honestly does sound really simple, easy to make, and yet probably quite tasty. It is quite tasty. This is your kind of drink. I'm, I'm Might sure. Might be one of my go-tos. Grand Marnier is one of the things that I uh, need to stock better right there. It's pretty well stocked right now, but not with Grand Marnier. Yeah, Grand Marnier. I always got to keep some of that in stock, for sure. What do we have on the agenda? Anything interesting today? We don't have much in notes to talk about, okay. really. Um, I, I didn't think of anything to mention other than, as always, to encourage people, if you like what you're going to see today, if you enjoy the content, literally like this video, subscribe to our channel. Please do. And look for all the ways that you can interact with us beyond this. Uh, we'll have a nice outro video that will explain all of that at the end of this. But, you know, we'll say up front, we're on Discord, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, sort of, Instagram. We've got an email. We've got all the ways. And we do have a Patreon, as Zach mm -hmm. already mentioned. So look to connect with us, and we'd love to have you join us in some of these live recordings as one of our patrons. Or just interact with us in other fun ways. Like, we'll have a new Twitter poll coming up. Our tri-reader tournament for March is about to roll. We're going to go old school, throw some nostalgia into our picks mm -hmm. this, this time. So not going to say anything more about that, but watch for, well, follow our Twitter feed, and you can participate in that. That's all I got. Beyond that, we shall should... we get into the Shadow Rising? Yeah, because we have four freaking chapters to talk about. Yeah, today. and our track record, that's not great. So let's get going. <laughs> they are shorter chapters, though. They really do fly. I like that, though. They're shorter. They're not short. Oh, no, no. They're not short. Well, one of them is short. You practically Ish. blink and it's over. The first chapter, chapter 13, is called Rumors. Mm -hmm. And we're back in one of the taverns down in the mall in Tier. We're slumming it. So, of course, we're checking in with Matrim Cawthon. Question. If we're at a tavern in the mall, is it fair to say this might be a Starbucks... <laughs> no but nice try i but, it is to me i never see dicing in a starbucks i think you've been to the wrong starbucks's i never see wine in a starbucks and matt has a glass of wine in front of him mm, fair enough not a starbucks but here's the funny thing there is dicing going on matt's not doing it there is alcohol in front of him matt's not drinking it He's just sitting here and stewing. How weird for Matt. Yeah, what's going on in his head? Well, this is the same night that, you know, earlier in the day, the shadow spawn attack on the stone took place. And we didn't see anything about Matt during that experience. No, we assumed there was something. Yeah, because Rand asked about his friends. Was he too late for them? And no, they were all fine. So that's the one thing we knew. Rand, you know, okay, Matt was fine. But we don't know what he experienced. We get a little taste of it here now as he's thinking over, you know, what he endured. Because he's looking around this this tavern, this common room, and everybody's just having a good time. They're like, you guys have no freaking idea what happened today. You don't know about all the people that died, all the Trollocs that died, all the trauma that people endured. You're just here enjoying everything else. About him almost dying. He killed a gray man, which mm -hmm. he was sure was there to kill him, but got him first. Then he had a confrontation with a Merdral, which really has him freaked out because the Merdral literally identified him, like talked to him as the horn sounder and declared it was time to die. 
Okay. Well, I guess yeah. that secret's out of the bag. Everybody knows Matt blew the horn. Exactly. Well, not everybody, but well, apparently everybody evil. Yeah, exactly. There's some bad dudes who must know it because this Mirdrill knew he blew the horn. And Matt would have been dead to rights. All he had on him was that little dagger that he just took a gray man out with. And here's a Mirdrill with a sword. And we've learned Mirdrill are pretty shifty characters. Pretty yeah, good swordsman. Wrong. A dagger can beat a sword, but for the most part, it absolutely won't. And when all you need to die against that sword is a little nick, nick. Uh, yeah, you're doomed. So why isn't he dead? Well, as the Murdrill's coming at him, a bunch of Trollocs come out of a side passage and attack the Murdrill. They literally chop the fade to bits. Then they look at Matt, and they go the other way. So it turns out, whether you're on the good side or the bad side, uh, this series still proves true. You're bad at communication. I'm laughing because Jordo is trying to cover for you in the Discord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> and again, we invite all our patrons to join us in Discord. There are things that drop in there <laughs> that drop in there. See, oh, see what that I did was there? bad. That we don't always share out here out loud. You got to be with us to get the inside jokes. <laughs> yep, Jordo's groaning. That was dad worthy. It was a dad joke. That's Thanks, grown. Dad. Yeah, you got it. Anyway, so Matt is like, literally, I was saved by Trollocs. What the heck has Rand gotten me into? Because that's not right. That's not how this is supposed to work. So he got out of the stone. He gets somewhere where he can just get away from it all and have a drink and relax. And all he can do is sit here and think about it and feel the tug that he's supposed to go back to the stone. He's supposed to be closer to Rand. <laughs> He's so done with this. But it's not Taviran nonsense. No, it can't be Taviran. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do mention that Taviran word to him. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. As he's sitting here, just kind of mulling it over. Again, he's not drinking the glass of wine. It's his permission to sit here. He ordered a drink, but he's not drinking it. I'm a paying customer. But he is doodling with it. Okay, he's dipped his finger in the wine, and he's just kind of drawing on the table. And he looks down at his tabletop, and he's drawn a doorway. And he's like, oh. brushes that away. Okay, what's that about, Zach? What does that well, say is going through his head? I mean, Egwene may have definitely mentioned a doorway that could give answers, um, and then said, don't do it. And he was like, I promise I won't do it unless my life depends upon it. Then I will probably do it, but like... <sighs> <laughs> yeah uh, he he it it's clearly plaguing him it's bugging him constantly this thought of this is something i could maybe do i mean a door is a great way out that's pretty good actually a door is a great way out we'll talk more about that later in the episode but as he's sitting here trying to stop thinking about doorways and trollic attacks and i am not a bloody taviran and, and whatever He's hearing other conversations going on around him. And mostly, he's not paying any attention to them. Unlike my computer that thinks I just talked to her and Siri woke up and started... Oh, is that why you went choppy? Was I? Really? A little bit. It was probably Siri's fault. Leave me alone, Siri! I will tell you when I want something. Okay, she didn't come Anyway. <laughs> so these side conversations... And one of them catches his ear and he decides, oh, oh, wait, let me let me let me get some of that. 
because he heard someone talking about the two rivers. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the two rivers, that's home. Emmons Field is in the two rivers. So, okay, he walks over. What were you guys talking about? And he learns there's a rumor going around, mm-hmm. apparently all over these taverns here right now, this news has arrived, that we're not likely... Okay, here's where it came from specific. This guy is a is a, a tabac trader, okay? And he's not likely to have any more from the two rivers for a while. Yeah, he got a couple casks of it out, and then... Uh... The white cloaks have entered the two rivers and aren't letting anyone out. So enjoy this stuff. Hey, maybe I'll even charge a little more. Make some profit. Supply and demand. Right. And Matt's like, wait, 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 what? White cloaks in the two rivers? Tell me more. What did you know? He's like, yeah, they're apparently looking for the dragon reborn. Oh, and some dark friend with yellow eyes. Hmm. Now, of course, we, the readers... No, this is true. Yeah, we saw it back in the Not a Prologue. Right. Dane Bornhold has led a group of white cloaks into the two rivers, looking for the dragon reborn, and good old Patton Fane, under the alias of Master Ordeeth, is also with them. And he's Okay, I said that backwards though. Dane is the one looking for the the man with the yellow eyes, the Correct. dark friend. Fane is there because he wants the dragon reborn. He wants to suck Rand back. Meanwhile, Dane is really there because his good friend Jarrett Bayar told him that Paranibara, the man with the golden eyes, is a dark friend responsible for his father Jeffrem's death. Yep. Now you hear rumors like stuff like this all the time. And a lot of rumors are just that. Made up crap that somebody's spreading or maybe it's tied to some half little truth. But this has some details in it that's a little too on the nose. And Matt's like, oh, crud, there's something going on back home. So he leaves. He rushes out back to the stone and works his way all the way to Perrin's room. And what does he find? Perrin's packing up to leave. Perrin's heard the rumors, too. Yeah, he knows what's going on. And he's like, I'm going home. Going home, going home. No, oh, I killed the tune there. That, that We're didn't going work. for Diddy Dirty Money, though. That's what I was hearing. <laughs> I was going for Chris Daughtry, but uh, it just didn't. Oh, no. that's what you're going? That's definitely not what. <laughs> I know. I was way too hot. Hey, the good thing is we won't have any copyright issues. <laughs> not with Ooh. that kind of singing. Uh, gonna have to work on our singing. Wow. I, I still can't believe that. Sorry. <laughs> But yes, this is episode 98. Episode 100 is the musical episode. We're almost out of time to figure out what the heck that's going to be like. So clearly I'm impressing people with the quality of the singing that they're going to see. Keep your eyes and ears open. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that too. Yeah. All right, so we're here. Yes, Perrin has clearly heard the same rumors and clearly believes them as well since he's packing up. Mm Mm-hmm. He's heading home. Now, Perrin latched onto that yellow eyes bit and goes, this is my fault. They're going to be after me, after my family. It's a whole mess. I have to go deal with this. Me, personally. Yeah. And we know he heard the rumors because he's been down in those same taverns, the same area, but for a different reason. Not to get away from what's going on in the stone. Why has he been hanging out, slumming it in the taverns? He's been looking for these rumors, looking for news, things that might attract Fayil out of town. Well, he found something that attracts him out of town. 
Yes. And this is going to be a problem because now he wants to go, but now he that means he doesn't want Fayol to go because he's going to go somewhere dangerous and he's trying to avoid getting her in danger. Again, Perrin is sure. Yes, this is real. Matt was pretty sure this is something real. Matt finds out that Perrin has actually spoken to Rand about it. You know, hey, Which is crazy. He spoke with Rand. And he found out that Rand wasn't surprised. He hadn't heard a rumor or something, but when he tells him, he's like, uh, here is his response. A parent can't make heads or tails of this. He said he'd do it. He said he would. I should have believed it. Oh, what's that about? We should know. Readers should know. Rand clearly remembers that Patton Fane had told him to meet on Toman Head, or he would basically go to the two rivers and kill everyone that he's ever loved until he showed up. So Rand remembers that. And the two of them never did meet up on Toman Head. We're talking no. back in the Great Hunt. Rand was there, but uh, they didn't see each other. Their paths did not cross. Pat and Fane had not accomplished what he wanted to with Rand there. Now he's gone through on his promise, apparently. And he's in the two rivers. So Rand knows this is a ploy. He wants to suck me there. It's a trap? It's a trap! Thank yes, you. You got it. Therefore, Rand can't do anything about the rumor. He says, I have to do what they don't expect. That is what they would expect. So I cannot go to the two rivers. It's really interesting seeing the different logic between Elaine, Nynaeve, and Egwene and Rand, where they both see traps, and one goes, so we have to go spring it. And the other goes, so I can't <laughs> go spring it. A difference between men and women? Is this what RJ's trying to say? Maybe in his world. Or just these specific characters. Okay. Perrin is going to go. Rand knows Perrin is going to go. And, and Perrin did have the sense that Rand was glad, at least for that. Perrin would go and try to sort out what's going on and deal with the circumstance. Matt's kind of frustrated. It's like, what do you mean Rand's not going to go? We just saw earlier on what Rand can do. I mean, the lightning from Kalendor wiping out all the shadow spawn in the whole stone. Imagine what he could do to the White Cloaks. But he's not going. It's one of those moments where Matt could just go a step further and go, okay, he's not going, he's not going. Is he just going to zap all the white cloaks from here? I didn't know if that's a thing he could do, but I didn't know he could do this tonight. So it's frustrating. He doesn't understand it. But Perrin's going. What about Matt? Will he come? Well... Matt would love to go, but he can't. He literally can't even say, I would like to... He can't get the words out of his mouth. It's like something is preventing him. He literally says to Perrin... You feel like you can go? I feel something holding me here. You don't? Perrin's response, well, I, I, I feel lots of reasons I shouldn't go, but the need to go is trumping them all. I, I definitely need to get there. His, his strong desire to get there is, of course, being more driven by the fact that the White Cloaks know his name. Yeah, that's yeah. a little to, bit of a problem. To Matt, White Cloaks in the Two Rivers, okay, they're a bunch of twits who harass people a little, but it should be no big deal. Perrin's got something else going on. Now, Matt doesn't know what Perrin has going on, but remind us, Zach, what does Perrin know? What? Why do I mean, they know his name? At this point, Perrin's White Cloak body count is like 11. It was initially just like three, and... Then he was captured and told them his name and where he was from and was like, I promise it, it's not my fault. They killed my friends, the wolves. 
not a great legal defense. <laughs> no. So his great fear for sure is since they know who he is, they know what he's done, they'll go after his family. If they can't have him, they'll take the next next best thing. There's a personal risk involved and Perrin feels, and it would be all my fault. So I got to get back there. I got to try I mean, to stop this. Kind of would be. Yeah, perhaps. Matt leaves Perrin then to his packing and his preparations, along with a final request that Perrin, you know, look after my sisters. He references a couple of sisters. He's younger sisters that are back there in the two rivers. And he knows just from that impulse to say that, that yeah, he's not meant to go back home. He's not going. But what is he supposed to do? He still doesn't know what he's supposed to do. That's a really good question. As he's walking away, he sees Berylaine, the first of May, dressed like the first of May always does. And he instantly drops into flirt mode. A dashing bow, uh, some some kind words, and, and Berylaine just walks right past him. The total brush off. And Matt doesn't go for that so well. And then he He's like, really? And makes some crude comments. You know, you just dissed me. What is up with that? Come on. And Okay, now she turns and notices him. And she stares at him. She stares him up and down and, and then still doesn't talk to him. She turns away. He hears her muttering something like, too much like me. Okay, what just happened to that moment, Zach? What do you think? Well, she did actually take a moment to evaluate him and whether or not she was going to pursue that for any reason and said, nope, there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't think we have enough time to unpack all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We will dig more into it in our next chapter. So we'll wait for that. Matt realizes then with disgust that he literally is so tavirand into not leaving that his mind has shifted almost immediately from worry about the people back home to flirting with Berylaine. I mean, sheesh, how can the switch flip so fast? He's got to find an answer. He's got to know what to do. So again, his mind goes to the one thing he can think of that might help. But that is where this chapter ends. So we'll have to wait to learn more. We made it through our fastest chapter ever, right there. See, I'm telling you, these are short chapters this time. <laughs> All right, let's move on to chapter 14, Customs of Mayen, where we return to Perrin's room just after Matt has left. Picking up Perrin, right where shaking we were. his head. Yeah, Matt, he's like, dude can so easily move past the two rivers. Wow. He senses Matt is actually glad to be gone. And we didn't mention it in the last chapter, but there's some truth to that. Matt really doesn't miss home. He likes being no. out in the world. I, I think it was said at one point between a conversation between Matt and Perrin that Matt said something along the lines of, if he ever goes back, he's not sure he'd ever leave again. Yes. So he's not ready to go back. I agree. I, I don't know if he'll ever want to go back. Now, the thing that I, I really want to highlight from this particular part, the things Perrin is thinking about Matt is really a point where Robert Jordan is very flagrantly and blatantly in our face saying, unreliable narrator. Ah. Remember this. Because we just got to see what was really going on in Matt's head. And now we shift directly to Perrin, sure of what's going on in Matt's head. And it's not quite what's going on in Matt's head. Yeah, no, he's very wrong. And, and that colors every character 
every perception throughout this entire series because we're always getting this told to us through the thoughts of people in the series you know next to never do we have just this omniscient background about the only time we do is you know the opening section <laughs> each time when the wind blows from somewhere you know, that's it everything else it's through somebody's perspective the poems at the end occasionally bits of prophecy that are written in other books uh, that are okay, quoted okay. in There's here tiny little pieces like that but so honestly we can't trust implicitly 100 percent anything of the rest of that you heard it here first my dad says you cannot trust the wheel of time that's right it's all tainted oh. <laughs> okay we learn quickly here then that Perrin also had some adventures with Trollocs during the attack. Okay, we heard about Matt's experience. Mm -hmm. Perrin, he was facing Trollocs with Fayul at his side. And he's a bit bruised from the battle because apparently there was one time where he tried to swing and a Trolloc got past him and might have done him serious harm, did give him some pretty good bruises. He's pretty banged up. But Fayul was there with her dagger, stab, 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 and, you know, kind of saved the day. Apparently she's a good woman to have by your side in a tough spot. Knows how to handle a knife. You can take that or leave it. It's <laughs> great in terms of keep you alive. It's also don't tick her off too much. And let's also speak to the fact that, okay, Matt was going to die because he only had a dagger. Fail deals with a Trollic only with a dagger. Yes, keep in mind, Matt went, I'm going to die because he is about to fight a Murdral with only a dagger. Okay. Those two fine. things are different. <laughs> this is true. Another funny thing I want to highlight here is, okay, Perrin's totally got his thought process that Fayil needs to be removed from the picture so that she's not in danger, which removes her agency. But she's proven multiple times how valuable she, she is to him. Oh, yeah. Just last night, potentially saving his life. But she's the problem we have to deal with. Perrin Dude. is just very determined and set in his mindset. And anytime anyone to tells him or shows him a reason that it's wrong, he goes, no, I'm sticking to what I said. Just because you tell me something different doesn't mean I need to change. Exactly. Now, can you remind us why Fayil is so focused on making sure she gets to come with Perrin wherever he goes? You know, he's, he's sure as he tries to leave to the two rivers, she's going to want to tag along. Why is he so sure? Is it not okay to just say that this is actually a good reason of love? That they like each other? Is is that not enough? It works for me. That's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, she cares. He's her man. That's what she's pegged him as now. Yeah. So where he goes, she goes. That I That's mean, how she is. I'll be honest and say it's a very accelerated love story. Um, kind of a zero to 60, but she found magic and mystery and all these wonderful things that she was looking for in the world in one guy that she can stick around with. Okay. I like how you describe it. it zero to 60. That's going to come up a little later on in this episode too. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but we're on Perrin right now. He's packed to leave and his plan is to go talk to loyal when the sun comes up in the morning. Because he has in his mind, Loyal can help him get home. More about that coming up. But at this moment, his door opens. 
and he smells a tantalizing perfume coming his way. And he's like, well, that Better can't life. be Fayil, because that, that's not what she smells like. And what, what did your cough just say to us there, Zach? Matt may have just passed Barrelane in the hall, who was coming right here she is. This also helps explain why she just blew right past Matt. She was on a mission. She was going to Perrin. That was her focus, her goal. She didn't have time for Matt. Now, why is she going to Perrin? Well, let's let's discover that. She announces to him she's leaving in the morning. She plans to return to Mayan. And she's informing Perrin because he's a close friend of the Lord Dragon. So please let the Lord Dragon know that I do need to return to Mayan now. And he's like, tell him yourself. He's like, I don't think he'd want to see me. Apparently she's maybe a little unsettled still from that previous encounter in his bedchamber. However, I think there's something else going on here that we're going to get to again later in this episode (laughs) that I want to remember to highlight because it harkens back to this. I do think it's important to just briefly mention here, Perrin was packing and getting ready for things, getting ready for bed. Perrin's shirtless right now. So he's saying, no, no, no. Things look bad. (laughs) So as he's, you said, no, no, no. Okay. She wants him to deliver a message. He says, no, do it yourself or get some other messenger. By not just accepting her orders, he attracts more attention from her. Because that's not what people do with Berlaine. You know, when she asks something, people say, yes, ma'am. When she says jump, they say, how high shall it be? Or what shall I jump off of? And he's not. He's totally emphatic and resisting anything she wants. She's like, huh. It's kind of like a turn on. (laughs) It's like, oh, there's something special here with you. Hmm. So she looks at him a little more closely, deeply, and thinks differently. And boy, has he just made a misstep here. He has no idea. But now he's in Bear Lane's crosshairs. It's an unfortunate position where Perrin can't take a right step. (laughs) Because by doing literally the right thing, he makes things worse. Yeah. So here she is staring at this specimen, specimen of a man with that blacksmith build, muscular physique, and considerable height. It's powerful looking, and Berlaine is attracted to power. He's a close personal friend of the Lord Dragon. She wanted to get ties into the Lord Dragon. That didn't work out. You can see the wheels turning now. Hmm, maybe this might be someone I want to get close to instead. Ding, ding, ding. That's what's in her mind now. So as he tries to get her to move along, move along, she's not going anywhere. She starts dropping innuendos. (laughs) Maybe you should come to Mayen with me. I could use me a blacksmith. And, And some of the things that she says are so brazen. I do partly think they're going over Perrin's head, but they're really obvious. A little bit, but I don't think they're going that far over his head. I think he's aware. <laughs> he's just like, he doesn't get why. And she's not taking no for an answer here. She is pushing, pushing. He would literally have to pick her up and set her outside his room to get rid of her. And he's not going to touch her. He's not doing that. Yeah, that looks even worse. And in this awkward uncomfortable situation Fayil walks in oops yeah she's like basically in mid-sentence Perrin I just heard something and and stops you know 
half-naked Perrin, Hussy Berlane. You know, the fact that there are three people very quickly walking into Perrin's rooms unannounced, he should really invest in a lock. That way people have to at least knock. <laughs> Did you see what got dropped in Discord? <laughs> That's hilarious. I had not seen that one before. That's pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, um, hard stone eyes from Fayil throwing daggers at Berylane, basically. What are you doing here? She doesn't say anything directly to her. And Berylane just kind of very quickly now shifts to leaving, but walks right up past Perrin brushes her fingers up his bare arm and across his shoulder and says, remember, I always get what I want. And out she goes. Now, come on. That was not even fair. Really? No, but also that last line was not for Perrin. That was aimed directly at Fahil. And Perrin is like, oh, this is not going to go well now. I'm innocent. And Fahil's going to blow up now. And she doesn't. I mean, why does he expect she'll blow up? Because things look really bad. <laughs> and has Fayul given any reason to sense that she has a temper? I mean, maybe occasionally smacking him across the face. Yeah, yeah, there have been times. But instead, she remains calmly focused on the reason she'd rushed to his room. The rumor of the white cloaks in the two rivers. And Perrin is completely mystified. What should he be realizing here? When she's not saying anything about Berlin. He's in really big trouble, so he doesn't oh, have dude, to... Oh, dude, so much trouble. Yeah, so much trouble. Yeah, if it's just completely <laughs> ignored, that's not a good thing. It's, it's not like mm. a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a, <laughs> I'll deal with you later. Yes. No news is good news? Mm, not so much. No news is you are in trouble. But she's going to move on to the important stuff we need to deal with now. Okay, so you're going to... we got to get you home. Um, Moraine, she's probably going to try to stop you. He's like, yeah, well, I'm going to try to just get out on the down low and maybe not attract your attention. We can do that. Yeah, that, that'll work. Yeah, we're just going to not talk to Moraine. It's fine. We learn, you know, recognition. Fayil says, okay, you've heard these rumors, but it will take you weeks to get to the two rivers. Perrin's like, no, no, I have a plan. I'm going to go yep. talk to Loyal. Ogier know how to get through the ways. And Fael's like, no, that's stupid. That's dangerous. And Perrin's like, we already did it. She's like, what? She did not know this yet. Oops. Now, what does she know about the ways that that we also do know? Tell us what we know about the ways, Zach. Uh, they're horribly dangerous. The Black Wind does exist in there. They once were used for travel and built for and maintained by the Ogier, but not in the last many centuries. Right. So, yes, you can get somewhere fast, but as you said, the Black Wind, Makinshin, very dangerous. Nobody uses them anymore. But as you said, he's done it. He and Loyal have been through them. We can do this. They're not okay. excited to go back through them, but they will. So despite Fayil's reservation about the ways, she's still glad that they'll finally be leaving. It's what she's wanted for weeks. And then Perrin's like, yeah, but you're not coming. And she just totally disregards his statement and keeps talking about what we'll need to get together and the plans. And, and he has to come down very insistently. No, Fail, you are not coming. Read the words coming out of my lips. That finally sets off the explosion he was expecting earlier. 
it goes somewhere along the lines of, oh, would you rather have Barrelane? All of her angst about Barrelane and Perrin comes out spewing that. And he doesn't pass up an opportunity. Oh, no, he does. Like, the worst thing for his relationship, but for his personal goal of driving her as far away as possible, I mean, it's it's not a bad call for that. It's a horrible thing. Yeah, Don't he literally do it. says, you know, but. she's a pretty sweet thing. Who wouldn't want to kiss and cuddle with Berylaine? In fact, she's invited me to come to Mayan, and I'm thinking maybe someday I will take her up on that. It's like, holy crap. And she just looks like she's been slapped pain she's in such pain and she leaves she leaves his room granted Perrin is using his own logic and his own ideas of what things are and how things work in this argument both previously with Berylaine and now with Fayil both of them have their own ideas and customs take things in very different ways as we'll see later all right this little section ends with Perrin now being like, okay, success. I've dealt with Fayil. I feel like crap, but I dealt with Fayil. Now I need to get to bed. But we finish the chapter by going to Fayil. We're going to get a little of her POV as she's storming away from stupid Perrin's room. She's so mad. She's fuming at mm-hmm. foolish, stupid Perrin and... And that hussy Berlaine and Perrin and Berlaine and Perrin and Berlaine. Yeah, she is really irritated. And without even thinking about it, she realizes she's heading towards Berlaine's quarters. Uh-oh. And actually, she catches up with Berlaine, who's still, mm-hmm. you know, walking back from Perrin's room. Apparently, an angry walk is much faster. Yeah, <laughs> She gets right up in her face, basically, and she demands, you keep your stinking paws off a of Perrin. He is mine. He belongs to me. Yeah, that doesn't go well. Yeah. See, it turns out, you know, some of the things we've been learning about Berlaine get put on master display here. She is supremely skilled at pushing buttons and cutting with words. Her tongue is very sharp. Mm, yeah, so even as Fael's anger is ramping up, Berylaine just keeps poking and stabbing and prodding, all with words. She is getting her furious. And in Berylaine, not in Berylaine, in Fael's head, as she sees herself losing it over Perrin with Berylaine, there's this little internal voice going, what are you doing? Because she can't believe she's getting so worked up over a man. So again, earlier, you talked about this love relationship going from zero to 60. Yeah, Fayil is in bad. She is all stuck head over heels so that reason, rational thought, gone. She's she's ready. At which point she draws a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's, she, she doesn't even think about it. Just, it's like, oh, there's a knife in my hand. So Oops. hard has Berylaine prodded her that she is ready to take violence now. Now, she's not planning to kill her. She's planning to shave her head. I mean, you say that, <laughs> but she also wasn't planning to hold the knife. So, like, maybe it's a little closer shave than it should have been. Eh, a la Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. It's fine. So, threatening with the knife to shave her bald, if she doesn't back down, Berylaine is like, Bring it, girl. So Fahil goes at her 
And we discover the first man has extensive hand-to-hand training. Yeah, for a quick moment, Bearline kind of kicks her ass. Oh, easily. She grabs her wrist, twists, and flicks. The dagger's in Bearline's possession, and Fael is on the ground, flipped over. And then back up with another dagger. So apparently, when you are in the position of the first of Mayenne, a position that has been assassinated in the past by Tyr, you get training to handle people coming at you. So she had no problem. It's kind of helpful to not be a complete damsel in distress if people are going to try and kill you. Yeah. Now, Fayul is back up, you said, with another dagger? Mm-hmm. I didn't remember another dagger. Is it really? Did she pull another they dagger Absolutely. Out? Yeah. It's, okay. She's got multiple in there. And the situation ends up both of them having daggers aimed at each other. But I got the impression Berlane didn't even care about using a dagger. She's using it to like as a fan, it says. Yeah, as she's, she's ready like to take her on against her hand. Doesn't need a weapon to handle Fael. But at the moment where, you know, the video game says, Warriors, go! Ruark shows up right in between them. And basically saying, stop. We declared peace and you are going to break it. He pulls out his dad voice and says sit down and stop and fail literally is like get out of my way you lummox and punches him well she tries tries to punch him now again her rational thought is so far gone over this she just tried to punch an aiel not just an aiel the clan chief of the aiel yeah her arm is very quickly in an arm bar instead yeah never had a shot twisted behind her Lifted so high, she's practically feeling it, ready to come out of its socket. And he just holds her there. And he talks to Bear Lane. And he says, you, go to your room. Basically, go to your room without dinner. <laughs> you will stay there. I will see that breakfast is sent to you. I do not want to see you out of your room. And she starts to say something. And he's like, this is not a discussion. Do we need to have a talk like the last time? And she's like, eek, and runs to her room. We know what that talk is. That goes back to when she left Rand's rooms and he got that information out of her about what had happened and was sure she wouldn't tell anyone else. But we don't know exactly what went down in that conversation. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's some pretty harsh words from Ruark to Berlane about her behavior and her interaction with Rand. And this is why she was going to parent in the first place. I'm pretty sure Ruark forbade her from going to Rand again like that in any way. You know, if you're there with the lords and stuff and it's a group thing, that's fine. But you will not approach Rand alone again. I think that's what he did in part of that conversation and she believes him. If it weren't for the fact that he's Aiel, I would have expected there was be more than words as well. However, Aiel have a whole <laughs> thing about not taking up any weapons against a woman who isn't the maiden of the spear. It's a whole thing. So that's literally the only reason I don't think he, like, did anything more than speak. Yep. Ruark finally lets Fayul loose then. And she's like, can I have my dagger back? He's like, uh, no. Your dagger's forfeit. That's your punishment. She's like, what? You didn't punish Berlane? It's like, yeah. You got to see her have to scurry off. (laughs) That was her punishment, that she had to be like that in front of you. Okay? And... You've got more daggers anyways. Quit making a fuss, or I'll come take the rest of them. I want to point out something that our Discord actually helped me remember here. Yeah? To the point where 
Yeah, Ruark absolutely bent Verilane over his knee and spanked her. Oh. Absolutely. Because as Jordan points out, Aiel don't hold non-Aiel to the same customs. So I don't think he'd have a problem necessarily spanking some sense into a non-Aiel. So a spanking was the first talk. Yes. Could be. <laughs> she definitely did run for her room very quickly. Ruark leaves. Fael's left alone. At that point, she's then finally, oh, my shoulder. She didn't want to show weakness in front of Ruark. But now that he's gone, that hurt. But as she's sitting there, she has a revelation come to her that leaves her smiling. Because in the midst of Bear Lane's taunts, one of the phrases she used was Ogre's Oath, which uh, has just clicked for Fael. I'm going to help you because you said Ogre and then ah, know you Ogre's would regret oath. it. Thank you. There we thank go. You. Ogier's Oath is a saying that has something to do, you use it when you're talking absolute truth or something that's unbreakable. Because an Ogier will never break his oath, his word. They're very loyal. Nice. But um. So Fayil has a plan now that comes from that. But we're not going to talk about it yet. Trust us. You'll learn more about the plan very, very soon. And that's the end of the chapter. Right. Halfway through. And we're not even an hour in. That's right. So we move on to chapter 15, Into the Doorway. And we're back to Matt Cawthon. Finally giving in to the great temptation that's been stuck in his head since Egwene foolishly mentioned it some chapters ago. The I mean, door. Yeah, come on. Someone like Matt, it's like telling someone there's a yummy plate of cookies sitting there, unguarded and available, but don't take any. Granted, we've yeah. been giving Egwene a lot of crap for this, but it's very fair to say it's probably pattern-driven. It's meant to be. Okay. Oh, so it's tied to being Taviran. Well, we'll see. Well, yeah, he's now down in the Great Holding, that place down low in the lo lower levels of the stone, where all the Terangrial are stored because he's looking for that doorway Terangrial. The one where you can go in and ask three questions and get true answers. As he searches, he does eventually find it, this red stone doorway. And he you know, checks it out a little bit first. It's just this doorway sitting by itself. As you look at it, it seems a little bit skewed, like it looks funny to the eye a bit. He pushes up against it and it doesn't budge at all. You know, it, it's like it's invisibly held upright. It's talked about as being like twisted and like it's a twisted stone doorway, yeah. but it's also very clearly marked as being rectangular. So it's not like an arch or something. It's just a little off. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he shoves really hard against it because this is weird that it won't even tilt and it, it slides. <laughs> it refuses to go off of upright. It just, the bottom slides a little bit. Okay, there's something freaky here. But, you know, I'm here to use it. Let's just admit it. It's time. So, doesn't matter. I'm creeped out. I'm going in. Steals himself, steps through the doorway. Expecting to probably see nothing. And after a bright light. But then, yeah, bright light. All the noise of the world at once suddenly flooding his ears. Somewhere else. And he's somewhere different. Boom. The doorway is behind him, but in front of him, all around him, he's not in the great holding. He's nope. in some big round hall with a ceiling that he cannot see. It's so high, it's just lost in darkness. Nope. He's right in the center of this room. Go ahead, I Zach. I think it's important to preface 
the rest of this chapter by saying there is so much, so much here that we can't really talk about. So just pay attention to everything we're about to say. It's true. There's a lot we can't go deeply into, but we'll <laughs> do that as well. This is a massively significant chapter. Thus, snakes and answers. Okay. So he's gone through this thing and he sees this round hall, grand hall he's in. Nothing else really much around other than some spheres that are giving off light. They're not flame. They're not torches. They're just a light source. He can't explain it. It kind of adds to the fact that this whole place just seems a little weird, a little unpleasant. It even has a funky smell. Follow-up question. Does that give you, like, magic floating orbs vibes or light bulbs vibes? I think the first one. Me too, but I also just wanted to throw it out there because I'd be curious to see if anyone, like, thinks that these glowing spheres to an untrained eye would be just light bulbs. I mean, there could be pixies locked up in them, a la Dresden Files. There could be, uh, they could be storm charged, a la Stormlight Archives. Who knows? All these different worlds. But yeah, I don't think they're light bulbs. No. And then he hears a voice coming out of the darkness. It, he discovers he's not alone here, even though he can't see anybody initially. From the shadows, he hears, this is the specific quote, a long time, yet the seekers come again for answers. The questioners come once more. Good. You have brought no lamps, no torches, as the agreement was, and is, and ever will be. You have no iron, no instruments of music. Okay, so what? What should we make of that, Zach? One, remember all of it for a lot later. Two, <laughs> um, clearly there's some kind of knowledge and recognition here. The one thing that we know is that the leaders of Mayen would go in this consistently when they were about to start their reign. So maybe mm -hmm. they had some understanding here. Maybe they are part of that seekers that are coming. And so there's some talked about agreement of no light or fire, maybe. Maybe no, no iron or music, like it says. It's a little unclear. We don't know a lot. But the best we can understand is maybe Mayen or even older, there was some agreement and it still holds. Now, as Matt is trying to puzzle through this stuff that he's heard, the speaker actually does step out into the light. And he's like, oh, it's just a guy. Oh, wait a second. It's not just a guy. Because he notices, yes, it has the form of a person, but he seems too thin for how tall he is, too graceful. And his skin, there's something about it that as it catches the light, it reminds him of a snake's scales. And then he sees the eyes. The eyes are just pupils that are black with vertical slits. Yeah, like definitely eyes. not human. This is a snakey boy. Now, Matt almost asks for an explanation. What? What's the deal about iron and music instruments what and he remembers to on? shut up before he says something stupid because he knows he has three questions yeah for once in his life he bites his tongue he, he does not want to see a question wasted on just curiosity so he basically tells him lead me on to where i'm asked my, my questions and okay let's go so this guy leads him through wherever they are and leads him for quite a while it's clearly enough that Matt almost again asks if he's being taken somewhere and stops himself and goes, 
man, it's hard figuring things out, getting information without asking questions. I sure hope you're taking me to the people who can answer my questions. He's got to phrase these things right. Yes. You know, and, and as he's going, they don't see anybody else. It's just the two of them in this whole area they're walking. But he does sense, like, out of the corner of his eye, movement here or there, a sense that they're not alone. He just never quite sees anybody. He also, they pass some windows. And as he sees things that are out there, from one window to the next, the change that takes place is not right. It's giving an indication. This is not just a normal place. There's something funky about time and space and... Uh, what's the Doctor Who term? Higgly wiggly. That's not Wibbly, it. Wibbly, uh, Wibbly wobbly, wobbly. Wimey, wimey. Yeah, yeah. There's something like that going on here. It's it's strange. Gotcha. But they do finally arrive at the place where he may ask his questions. Another round room. This one with only three objects in it. It's three coiled pedestals mm-hmm. surrounding the center of the room. And despite there being no apparent way to climb these pedestals, there are more individuals sitting atop each one, just like his guard, guide, whatever the guy is. Um, They're up there, and they're clearly expecting him. I missed. I'm just curious if you recall. Did it say they're, like, sitting in nice chairs that are up there? Are they just, like, sitting cross-legged? Are they sitting off the edges? I don't... I totally missed how they're sitting. And I know it's a minor detail. I believe it's crisscross applesauce. Is it really? I, I think it said they're sitting with their legs crossed. That's wild. And they speak with one voice. Enter and ask according to the agreement of old. Okay. I... So Matt has actually thought this through. And he does have three carefully prepared questions. All worked out. He's thought of ways he can ask where he doesn't have to say too much information. He doesn't have to mention specific people. And he thinks they're questions that will give him just what he needs. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. So calmly and deliberately, he asks question number one. Should I go home to help my people? Of course, it's a reference to the white cloak rumor, mm-hmm. possible danger back there. But also it addresses whether or not he should stay with Brand. So it's a good question. It's kind of an interesting question to ask because he's been wanting to go, but also so confident at this point that he can't slash shouldn't. It feels like a no-brainer, but it is a good starting point to get confirmation. I thought so. The answer he gets baffles him. It's not a yes or no. Yeah, they don't say yes or no. They say, you must go to Ruidian. Now let's add to the weirdness. As soon as they answered... They lean forward and breathe in deeply. But then a bell tolls, and one says, He is another. The strain. The strain. And the second one says, The savor. It has been long. And the final says, There is yet time. And apparently, all of these things are being said, like, at once. And then she says directly to Matt, perhaps with a little more urgency, Ask! Ask! Okay, What's going on? Can you make can you make something of that phrase without spoiling? We'll find out a lot more in the next chapter that we're still going to cover, so we'll just wait. Okay. Well, I want to posit here that Matt is now set up for failure. Mm. Because he asked a question, he got an answer that's nothing like the sort of answer he thought it would have been logical he would have got, a yes or a no, you know? Oh, definitely. And besides the fact that it's a confusing question, I mean, Ruidian... Go to Ruidian. I'll get killed if I go to Ruidian. What the heck is that? 
Now they seem to be pressuring him to move on to the next question. Oh, yeah. Get to it. No, it is a horrible thing if you're trying to actually convey useful information. But it's a very useful tool, tool as a writer for RJ and for these individuals as they're moving Matt around in their whims. Now, we already know about Matt. He does not like to be told what to do. He does not like to be not in control. So when they push him to give them the next question, when he's already gotten a, a, an answer that made no sense, it, it happens. He says, why should I go to Ruidian? Oops. <laughs> That's a question. And they answer. If he doesn't go, he will die. And the bell tolls again, even more loudly. That's all? That's all you're giving me? What kind of help is that? It prompts another question, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. Matt, looking at these creatures who look even more anxious now and, and really want him to ask his next question, he says, fine, why will I die if I don't go to Ruidian? Because again, to him, it's like, I, they'll kill me if I go to Ruidian, so what? So he's basically used all three of his questions to ask the initial first one question he wanted. And they give him an answer. I'm gonna quote it specific again. Mm -hmm. You will have sidestepped the threat of fate, left your fate to drift on the winds of time, and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled. What do you see in that, Zach? Whatever the pattern needs, whatever the Taviran pulling is doing requires him to go to Viridian. And if he doesn't, he can actually, he has within his power to not do that. But, Various agents of the shadow that find him as a Tavirian important for one reason or another will then kill him before he can do whatever he needs to do. Exactly. So he is fated to play a role, to do certain things. And if he doesn't go to Ruidian, then those who don't want him to do those things are going to be able to stop him. Okay, he still doesn't have any answers that really help him. And they want him gone now. Literally, the guy that is his side, you know, taking him by the elbow, let's go. And he's like, no, that is not what I needed. I had three good questions. You you screwed things up and didn't let me ask. Matt does something a little wild. And what's that? Well, he keeps asking. Hmm. Instead of a being let out of the room, he literally sh asks, what fate? It's like, I want one clear answer. What fate are you talking about? Now, at this point, Matt is surrounded by a dozen more of these buff guard types, you know, physically dragging him out of the room. But he just keeps shouting in, what fate? What fate? And they answer. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on because we don't know enough details about what this deal is, why there were only three questions allowed, all this mess. But they do answer in equally cryptic ways but fascinating answers do not forget these answers matt won't either they're gonna haunt him these answers to marry the daughter of the nine moons to die and live again and live once more a part of what was and to give up half the light of the world to save the world so who knows what Ooh. any of that means? Oh, man. Well, we do. We've read the books. <laughs> yeah, but we're not allowed to say yeah. that. And then let's throw in just a little bit more goodness. As he's finally dragged out of the room, they they shout out to him, Go to Ruidian, son of battles. Mm -hmm. Go to Ruidian, trickster. Go, gambler. Go. Okay, 
everything they just said has meaning. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what it means, but it has meaning. <laughs> so much. So we can't talk about these things because we're spoiler light and that would so ruin Yeah, stuff. we can't get into that like at all right now. But remember... Matt continues to struggle against these guards just because, well, it's, he's doing Matt. And they drag him all the way back to the doorway Terangrial, and they actually physically chuck him out the door. <laughs> and, boom, he comes flying back into the Great Holding. He's like, you're gonna manhandle me? I'll manhandle you! And he jumps right back through the door and goes through it and crashes into the storage stuff on the other side of the door. It didn't work. He can't get back through the doorway. He has no idea why, but we do. Remind us of what's the deal there, Zach. Why can't he go through? I mean, we got told he can only go through once. Apparently, that's literally. He was not told that. Yeah. But that was information that was discussed between Moraine and Egwene. That's how it works. That's why the stupid leader of Mayenne gave it to Tyr, because he'd already used it. He can't use it again. Only once. Matt has a few moments then sitting there thinking about these stupid answers the snaky guys gave him. What the heck do these mean? When he sees Rand come backing out of the doorway. Mm-hmm. Fiery sidine sword in his hand. And then relax when he's out and, oh, he sees Matt there. Huh, what are you doing? You just hanging out here? Or did you go in here too? It's hip hopping in place. Before they can talk much though, Moraine steps out as well. Now, she sees them and she's furious. Oh, yeah. She instantly realizes, oh, are you kidding me? You two were in here too? It's two to Viren? Why were you in there? How did you know about this? But also, no wonder it was a mess. No wonder things were falling apart. It's your fault. Yes. And who told you about this thing? Which of those girls? I am giving them what for? I am going to kick my foot. No, okay. Anyways. I love Rand's answer. It's great. Rand pulls the nerd card. I love Matt's answer better. Matt's answer is so classic Matt. No. Rand goes, who told me? A book. Actually, two books. Two books. This one and that one. And it's a whole thing I was reading. And she looks at Matt and he goes, I read too. <laughs> Sometimes. He didn't say that he learned it in a book and she didn't press him <laughs> for it. But it's implied. All right. So they have further conversation. Not a real long one, but there's a few key things that we get out of this dialogue. One, they all had answers to questions, but none of them are willing to share what they learned. In fact, Matt tries to say, I didn't get any answers. They didn't answer me anything. He'd actually admitted to Rand, but he he lies to Moraine. Yeah, absolutely. Because, okay, we learn here the snake people were speaking the old tongue. So Moraine knew the old tongue. Rand had a translator. Apparently a bad translator. Matt's like, I had no idea they weren't talking common. I understood yeah. everything. Oh, crap! This old tongue thing again. That old, old tongue thing. But he uses that. This is his excuse to say, yeah, I didn't understand half of what was going on. I, I didn't get nothing. Right. We also learned that the snake people do get something from you when you come for questions. And I interpret this is when we saw them lean in and mm-hmm. breathing and kind of like a drug, but it's more of a feasting thing. They actually eat emotions. They evenly Sensations. across the board just kind of eat all those emotions, every single one. 
Moraine's like, and it kind of leaves you feeling like picked over and dirty. And I'm going to go take a shower now. This is gross. We also learn, yes, the answers you receive are true, at least in regard to your future. Not necessarily what you hear about others, but your future. It is true, but interpreting the answers can be complex. So Moraine offers her assistance. If you would like help interpreting, and you can share with me. I will do what I can to help you figure it out. And she says that both to Rand and to Matt, at which time he goes, ah, oh, crap, she didn't buy it at all. Not even a little. She knows I got answers. The chapter ends with Moraine leaving the two of them and Matt then asking Rand, dude, Emmonsfield, really? You're not going to do anything? And Rand's response is basically, Perrin will do what he can. I have other things I have to do. Far more, uh, far more important, honestly. You know, if I don't do what I have to do, Emmonsfield will fall. And to worse things than White Cloaks. In fact, yeah, the whole that's... world will fall. It's not a great answer, but it's an answer. And we just lost your video, Zach. I'm back. And you're back. What did you do? It was like magic. Uh, I may have stopped the camera temporarily, but it's fine. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad you're here still. One more chapter. I'm like, no, don't go, Zach. There's still one more. Okay. Chapter 16, leave takings. I'm just not used to four chapters anymore. I know, but dang, it's still, we're going to get this in our normal time frame. We return to Perrin. He's waking up. It's the next morning. He slept poorly. Between his worries over Emmons Field and feeling like crap over what he did to Fael. He's kind of a jerk. And the White Cloaks, they're kind of in his dreams, bad thoughts of what he had done and what they may do to him and what they may be doing in the Two Rivers. Ugh. But okay, I'm up. I get ready for the day. I'm going to go find Loyal. We have this plan. I'm going to go talk to him. Get my buddy to help me go through the ways to get to the two rivers. And he has no trouble finding him. Loyal is in his room, surrounded by his books, making notes. When he finds him, he sees he's a little worse for the wear. So we can see here, Loyal also had some adventures with the Trollocs. But he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. Minor, I didn't even need healing. It, it really was nothing. And at that point, Fael stands up. She's in the room too. She'd been behind like a bookcase or something. So he didn't see her when he walked in. But she's like, oh, no, no, no. It was much more than just no big deal. Loyal's a hero. Mm -hmm. And we learn from Fael that during that attack, Loyal gathered as many children and some of their mothers as he could into a large hall. And then he stood blocking the entrance and fought off Trollocs and Merdral the whole time, defending all of those women and children. He was much better at holding the door than some individuals in other series. Hold door! Hold door! Nice. One of our Patreon supporters is a big Game of Thrones fan. so I'm a fan, but like Loyal's better than Hodor. <laughs> what does this tell us about Loyal, though, Zach? There's a little bit we learn here from him from this. He's humble, but also kind of a badass. Yes. He held off by himself all comers. Trollocs, Mergel, nothing got past him. It's possible he only saw a couple of Trollocs here and there, but it's also possible he saw a lot. It didn't matter. He is going to hold the line. And he cared enough to specifically go, this is happening. 
All right, kids, kids, all of you kids, get in there and be safe and alive. Loyal is very sharp, very quick, and a badass. Kind of what we learned. It's kind of crazy that he was so quick to action, considering all his concern about being hasty. He can be appropriately hasty. Then again, he also gets chastised by other Ogier for being too hasty. So, eh, so maybe, maybe it just came in handy here a now. A bit of a plus for us and not for him. Now, Perrin shifts the conversation, because Fayil's dominating the singing loyals, glories, and, and he's clearly embarrassed. He doesn't like all this spotlight. But he shifts it and he says, Loyal, have you heard from your mother yet? Now, this leaves Fayil totally in the dark. What? His mother? She doesn't know anything about... Well, what's the deal with that? Why would he be asking about Loyal's mother? I mean... We're talking about him having had run off. His mom definitely wanted to marry him off in different things here and there. He yeah. wasn't ready to settle down. Exactly. Loyal left the, the steading without official permission. His mother's going to want him back. And yeah, marry him so he won't ever leave again. So he doesn't want his mother knowing where he is. No. But Loyal shares, yeah, I haven't heard from my mother, but I did see another Ogier from my steading. Steading Shangtai, where he is from, is near Tyr, relatively. So one of the Ogier from there was in Tyr. Ran into him. He's like, as soon as he gets back, he's going to tell my mom. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble with my mom. Uh, so now, Loyal's actually pretty keen to get out of Tyr. It segues beautifully into what Perrin's motivation is. He says... So, buddy, you don't want oh, your mom chat. to find you. <laughs> I have a reason to get out of town. You should come with me. And in fact, I'd like your help. I need to get to the two rivers. Your mom will never find you in the two rivers. Come with me if you want to live. Loyal is like, you know, you're right. My mom probably wouldn't find me there, but my book... You know, I'm writing all this stuff about Rand, the Dragon Reborn, this adventure. I don't want to miss stuff. Parents reply, you'll write no book if your mother finds you. Yeah, it's kind of a hard threat, but he's right. She will shut that down. Okay, now we get to the crux of things. The White Cloaks are in the two rivers, hunting for Perrin. That's what he shares. Mm -hmm. I need to go deal with it. I need to stop them. And I gotta get there quickly. So, Loyal, I need you to lead me there through the ways. I Loyal, need you, buddy. Loyal really doesn't want to, especially not through the ways. But he does eventually agree. Okay, sure. Cue Fail. Yeah, and her evil, evil plan. As she hops in and goes, uh, excuse me? Yeah, Loyal, he doesn't want to do the ways, but he's like, we've done it before. Okay, one more time. No biggie. And she's like, you promised. Okay, and here she reveals what she's been up to. She talked to Loyal. Innocently conversation, just Not being... even a little bit innocent, just saying. No, 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 the way she played it was all oh, innocent. Oh, yeah, she played it, but she's no. She's just curious. She'd like to see a way gate sometime and, and to, to experience the ways. And Loyal, would you be willing to do that and, you know, take me somewhere... Promise me, promise me you'll you'll take me into the ways and take me wherever I want to go. Just us. And before you do anything else with the ways, you'll let me do it with you. And he was like, well, okay. That's pretty much how their conversation had gone. 
So mm-hmm. now he's agreed to take Perrin, and she's like, uh, wait a second, wait a second. So first part of the plan comes in. She says, you promised to show me the ways before you do anything else with the ways. He's like, well, all right, but I can, I can do that. I can do that when I take Perrin. I can take you and show you as well. That's that's not a problem. Ah, enter plan two. Well, she says, yeah, but um, it needs to be that you're going to take only me wherever I want to go mm-hmm. before you can help anyone else. And he's like, that's not that's not right. That That's not fair. Perrin's like, don't worry, loyal. She tricked you. It's she not did fair, this deliberately. But it's intentional. And he's thinking, of course, he let the cat out of the bag last night. He told her this was his plan. So she screwed him. She actually has the good honor, the good sense to blush a little bit. Yes, she screwed them. She did this on purpose. But she says, it's not my fault. You forced my hand. I had no choice because you were being a stupid dummy. So I had to trick him. But she says, but it's okay, Loyal. I would like you to take me to the two rivers. I'd like to see Loyal's it. like, yeah. Loyal's like, oh, well, he's actually almost a little angry. It's yeah. like, well, why did you make this did a you... whole mess? Yeah, why didn't you, you just say so? You want to go to the so? same place? It's fine. I can still help Perrin then and keep my promise to you. Why'd you make me feel so bad? Well, she did it so she could be manipulative. Yes, Discord agrees there. She's so crafty and manipulative. Um, she lets the final shoe drop here. Says, okay, wait a second, Loyal. You promised it would be just you and me unless anyone else asked me to join. Perrin hasn't asked me. So I would need Perrin to ask me to join me in going to the two rivers. And this is where we get into the petty ugliness. Because there is no way in heck Perrin is going to ask to join Fail when no, she intentionally when gamed the whole situation. Point. And his whole point was to try and keep her from coming in the first place. Yeah. I mean, he does need to get there quickly. So just going on his own, not using the ways, that's not really an option. So he decides he will just follow them far enough back that he's not with them. So he, Loyal's oath is not broken. Loyal's like, Perrin, that's dangerous. Makin Shin. Okay, we've talked about the Black Wind, Makin Shin, yeah. earlier. Would you remind us with clarity, what's the risk of the Black Wind? Well, it's interesting that you say that, because uh, if you're asking me, like, what is the Black Wind, we don't have a lot of clarity on that. Um, what we do have is that in some way, shape, or form, there is this force in the ways that goes around. We know it talks absolute nonsense, but also very harsh things. And it can absolutely kill you, rip you apart, some manner of mess of things. Yep. You don't want to mess with it. (laughs) I love the Discord meme that showed up there. It's pretty good. That's that's Makinshin's result right there. Regardless of Loyal's warning about the risk here, Perrin's like, it's just what I got to do. Fayo's like, just ask, you idiot. It's no. (laughs) In fact, he doesn't say no to her. He won't acknowledge her. He's only talking to Loyal. He's playing the silent game. Silent she is ranting. Dirty. And he, it's like she's not even there. And she finally storms out of the room. He's being so stubborn. What an idiot. Poor Loyal. 
<laughs> the guy's just caught in the middle of all this. After her departure, our good buddy Gaul shows up. Mm-hmm. Who's Gaul? We haven't talked about him in this book at all yet. Remind us who Gaul is. Believe we have mentioned him offhandedly in this book. But either way, oh, Gaul is an Aiel, right. but more notably, Gaul is an Aiel that has a connection to Perrin. He's that Aiel that Perrin let out of a cage a little ways back. Yes. And you're right. He was the one on guard duty when Egwene and Elaine came to meet Rand. So we did have a reference to him then. But thank you. You highlighted the significant thing, that connection he has with Perrin. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Rand had pulled Gaul aside and told him about Perrin's plan to go to the Two Rivers and noted it's going to be dangerous for Perrin. Some people may actually want to kill him. And so Perrin understood all this and hears this and goes, so Rand told some Aiel to come with too? That'd be great. And Gaul's like, well, no. Yeah, I, this is just my decision. Hearing what you're up to, I've decided I'd come along. You probably need someone to watch your back. So Rand didn't send me, but come on, guys. Rand sent him. Rand That's gave so obvious. The pieces to the right people. And I think Perrin can figure that out too. This is Rand doing what he can to help. Now, Perrin mentions, um, we're actually going through the ways to get there. Does that make a difference? You wanting to join? And Gaul's line is great Aiel stoicism. Mm-hmm. Death comes for all men, Perrin. Clearly, great. the ways does mean something. <laughs> He's not excited about it, but it's not a problem. Now, the chapter wraps up with a last little section where we jump to Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine, who have not been in any of these four chapters so far. Mm-hmm. And they are venting over Rand. It seems Elaine had gone and shared the decision for the women to leave, and he seemed, well, relieved that she was leaving. Yeah, he wasn't just, like, okay with it, but he was happy about it. And that was not the reaction she was hoping for. She has spent days smooching and talking and lovey-dovey, and then he's, like, glad she's leaving? Nadine's what kinda the like, heck? Would you rather he had said, please stay, I want you to stay? You know you would have had to tell no. I mean, they're actually you glad he didn't try no, to talk right? her out of going. You know, that means she has he has confidence. She's a grown woman. She can take care of herself. Fine. But be happy I'm leaving. And she's feeling like a fool now because she has already written a letter that she's left for him that he will find after she's gone that she just bears her heart and shares how how much she loves him and and all this lovey-dovey stuff. And now she's like, well, actually, maybe I don't have to worry about him even reading it. He doesn't care I'm leaving. He probably won't even bother. Yeah, and she's just getting compassion from Egwene and Nynaeve, basically saying, yeah, Ran is a woolhead. He's too good for you. Ugh, or you're too good man. for him. Sorry, I said that wrong. Before they can talk any more about it, though, however, the whole conversation's interrupted when Lan bursts into the room furious. It's an interesting bit of emotion and reaction we see out of Lan in this chunk because we very rarely see much more than this. That's right. He's very calm, Mr. Stone. But he's mad right now. And why he's mad is he just heard that Nynaeve is going to Tanchico. And she had allowed him to believe she was returning to Tarvalon. She's going to Tanchico. It's a scummy place. And they'd heard Black Aja may have gone there. What the heck? Excellent meme, Emmelyn. That's it. Right there. There we go. Emotional lamb. He is furious. She's like, 
I didn't say I was going to Tarvalon. It's not my fault you believed I was going to Tarvalon. You made an assumption. I have reasons I need to go to Tanchico. They're my reasons. They're purpose. There's real purpose. I have a mission. It's not yours to know. Okay. This, of course, doesn't satisfy Lan. No, he's not still at quite all. satisfied. He is so angry that he's like, okay, if you are going to go, if you are set, you can't go unprotected. Mm -hmm. I'll come with you. I will find a way. I will be there for you. Okay. Elaine is like, basically, they're all kind of shocked at that. Because it's wild. He's going, I will up and betray my water bond and somehow find a way to leave Moraine and follow right. you to protect you. Right. And that's huge. But Nynaeve will not have that. She says, your place is with Moraine. And then she pulls out the letter from the Amerlin and flashes that in front of his face, saying, you will stay with Moraine. Okay, remind us of what that letter is. Why does this matter at all? It's the letter, and Lan reads it and goes, it's basically the person who has this, does what they do in my name, uh, signed the Amerlin, Swan Sanche, what up? Obey um, them without question. And don't ask anything, don't tell anyone anything that happened. That's right. Lance, okay. like, how do you have this? Why do you have this? You can do anything with this. And really, you're using this to make me stay with Moraine? He's irritated. He's frustrated. He's like, why are you trying to ditch me so insistently? Nynaeve makes a wonderful callback and uh, says, just be glad that I'm not making you dance. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's good. As he continues on about this, though, she basically then says, Lan Mandrairin. You're pretty full of yourself that you think all of this that I'm doing is about you. And that just puts him over the top. It's like, seriously? All about me? All about me? I'll show you all about me. And he scoops her up in his arms and kisses her quite thoroughly. Literally, the, the, the toes curl, the foot kicks. I mean, it's as fast and almost aggressive of emotion that from the point of view that we're seeing, I believe it was Elaine's. POV that we're in here. She almost reaches for the power to stop him because she's not sure what's going on. And then sets her down. Basically, she's breathless now and he professes his love unabashedly all out in the open in front of the other women. You have made stuff grow where this heart was nothing but stone. I am yours. Do you have the actual wording? Because it's really it's a moment of actual kind of beautiful poetry, especially to think it's off the cuff for Lan. I don't have it in front of me. He's I kind of wish I did. romantic heart. He does. But again, we don't want three-hour episodes, so I, it was too much to quote. They can look it up. <laughs> and then he, he, he says one last thing. Know that there will be a time when you will not be able to command me away so easily. And off he goes. And Elaine and Egwene are staring at Nynaeve going, <laughs> what the heck? He basically just said he would leave Moraine for you. Don't, isn't that what you want? Why yes, did you drive him away like here's that? here's the problem. If you give up all of your own personal wants, hopes, and dreams for somebody, you're gonna regret it. Lan is a paladin, and if he breaks his oath, he loses everything. She would never want to do that to him. She absolutely wants him, but on her terms, in a way that's right. 
not in something that would end up destroying him. So they turn back to their final preparations, and Elaine has had a brainstorm. Seeing how Nynaeve handled Lan, that firm hand, maybe there's time to deal with Rand a little differently before they leave still. More about that in another episode, because mm -hmm. this is the end of our chapter. We made it through four. We did. And it's pretty much right in the pocket of our normal frame, normal time frame. So whoop, whoop. Again, thanks for being with us, everybody. We're going to move into a spoiler zone section in just a moment. But if you're a first time reader, we just want to thank you for being with us. We want to remind you, join us on Discord. Uh, Hit us up on social media. Send us an email. We have a link to our merch shop where you can get a couple of things you can drink beverages out of, mm -hmm. which are good. We really should start adding like some t-shirts in there. That'd be good. We got some good sayings, some good phrases. But for now, for our first-time readers, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. All right. So time that I play a graphic. <gasps> the spoiler room. It's okay. What? do we have to spoil today? Because there's some good stuff. Uh, we need to roll the die. Yes. So due to my current setup, um, you my don't have a table in front of you? In different places, table's different. So I will be rolling a die. <laughs> well, I'm going to ro roll the lethal weapon that you gave me again. So here we go. Woo! Yeah, you're going first. I got a 15. Did I got a, get a five. One? Five. All right. Well, mine is barely a spoiler. Okay. It's spoiling okay. just for a little bit ahead of where we are. But I'm going to talk about this one because it's something that I only, after all the times I've read these books, only figured this out today in prepping okay. my notes. We'll see if I've made this connection before. It's that final decision that Elaine came to of how to handle Rand differently. I have never understood why she wrote him two different letters. Never. Okay. It was always like, what the heck is wrong with this woman? Why is she screwing with his mind? Because he ends up getting two letters. The one that yeah. professes her love and all that. And the second that sets him straight and puts, gives him what for and, and blah, blah, blah. She already left one. Right. She already left the one. Now she's going to write this second one, this stern, taking a firm hand letter because of how she saw Nynaeve handle Lan. Yeah. She has this brainstorm. I totally missed it. Every other time I've read these, only because I was studying it so carefully and prepping for the podcast that I finally catch that. And now I am, I am overjoyed. I understand finally why Rand gets two freaking letters that don't fit together and are confusing as heck. It's now because she tries one thing, sees something else, and then tries that as well without rescinding the other one or anything. But what's really screwy is the second letter is still completely unnecessary. Unreliable narrator. She doesn't understand what's in Rand's head here. He's yeah. not truly happy to see her go. He's relieved she won't be in the danger of being with him, knowing Correct. he's going to be a constant target and such. That was what the relief was. He didn't want to have to say, you know, Elaine, I'm going to be going doing some dangerous things. I think you need to stay behind or go do something. No, she was telling him, I'm going to leave. Oh, good. Okay, best luck. Best of luck. You know, that was the relief. But he <laughs> loves her desperately already. She has succeeded. 
but his reaction, she didn't interpret it right. There's been a lot of very quick love plot lines here. Yeah. So again, unreliable narrator. But I finally understand the letters. Uh, there are people who listen to our podcast are going to be going, really? I mean, I'm kind of in that boat. You guys are doing this podcast and you didn't get that yet? I was. I kind of agree with them. <laughs> but I think it's useful for you to point out for anyone who is like you and hasn't seen. Transparency, um, man. All right, so that's mine. What's yours? My spoil is not actually going to be spoiling something that much. And more being an open call to talk in our Discord channel on the full spoil section we have there. Or for us, probably not on our podcast just because we are spoiler light. But maybe, like, reach out to me and be a guest if you cover this topic. I I desperately need to talk about it because we don't have enough information. That's the Elfin and the Elfin, their mm. world, what they are, what's going on there. We have bits and pieces. It is one of my favorite things in all of these books. Okay. And I want to talk about it. It's not like I want to pontificate, but I want to theorize with people. You know, we saw the Elfin right now. We'll get the Elfin later. Mm-hmm. I think of the Elfin as the good guys. And the eelfin is the bad guys, but that's not really entirely that's not accurate. True, but it is the eelfin who wear clothing made of human skin. Get the, the, maybe the eelfin uh, just wear their human skin on the inside. I don't know. That doesn't work. That doesn't sure work. It does. <laughs> we never said this had to follow any kind of logic or reasoning or physics that we understand. RJ was a man who understood some physics and maybe threw it out the window for this bit of world we just don't know i'll tell you the the shenanigans and jordo's kind of agreeing with this the shenanigans that matt pulls in this first one kind of works out fine for him works out better than fine the shenanigans he's going to try the next time not so much no but the combination of these two sets him up perfectly for the third time one last little bit that i want to kind of throw out here and spoil as well as theorize we know for a fact in my opinion Lanfear has never been through a doorway. I could be misdoing this. No, I think that's fair. But I want to say that's got to be true. Simply because Matt tries to go back through the door and it doesn't accept him. But Moraine goes back through a door successfully. Yeah, she shouldn't have been able to get through that. So the only thing that I can think is Lanfear hadn't been, and by tackling her through it, it takes both of them. Or is that the other door and she didn't go through that one yet? No, no, I, I think you're right, but, huh. Although, wait a second. I don't remember she, which door she goes through. She is, may is not have gone through that door at all. She hasn't been through that one? She went through the columns. She may have not gone through the door. It's just a bit that we don't know. If it is I, the Rudian door, I probably stand corrected because I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure she went through the door. I think that's something Rand and Matt did. But the traditional thing is you walk through the columns. Well, um, either way... Oh, wait, oh, wait, 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 though. Rand didn't go through the door in Ruidian. No. Only Matt no, did. No, Rand doesn't go through the door either. Matt's only Matt. goes through that door. So nobody goes through that door. Matt's the only one that went through that door. So that's why they can both get fall through it later on. Granted, either way, Lanfear still hasn't been through that door. Correct. And Moraine. <laughs> Obviously, before actually talking more about this, I need to do another deep dive because there's so much more I want. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I think we've covered what we wanted then. We're full spoiled, right? 
I'm full spoiled out. All right. Well, I'm going to send the credits then. You know, when people listen on the uh, audio podcast, you yeah. can't see any of these. They can hear it, but they can't see. Am I supposed to be reading it dramatically then? I I don't know. Maybe we should be snarkily doing that. Sometimes. Maybe I should be snarkily changing the background. See, I can't tell. That's a really mean teaser. What a, Join I'm Patreon hinting. to find out why. That's right. If you're a Patreon supporter, I'm hinting at what you could be hoping for now. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, you have a new reason to do so. Bye. Bye.